Podcast. This is uh, episode number four, and we are live at Brightform Denver 2015. Uh, we've got a number of guests with us uh, that popped in from Brightform. So with us we have Gabe Knuth. Hey, everyone. Steve Greenberg. Hey. Jaren Gibson. Howdy, Hi. folks. <laughs> and Shane Kleiner. How's everybody doing? And on the phone with us we have Dwayne Lesner. Hey, guys. And Anton Van Pelt. Hi, hi. Thanks for joining us today, guys. We're going to do a bit of a recap from uh, from Brightform. So um, main topics this year were kind of diverse. I don't know if I'd say more diverse than normal, but it was actually pretty cool to see uh, a lot of different variety. So good job, Gabe and Brian, in oh, yeah. selecting the topics. Great Brightform this year. Thanks. Really, really good. I did yeah. the math. Somebody asked me how long it takes to pick the sessions, and I did the math. It's like 50 to 60 man hours between Whoa. Brian and I. For, it's it's one whole week, and we probably each do, um, uh, let's, let's say 40, because it's not full time. So let's say we spend 20 hours on it by the time we're all yeah. done sorting through sessions. Uh, so you don't just pick your friends or randomly choose sessions, huh? No. <laughs> do you know the process? I mean, yeah, what is the process? I would love to hear about it. Yeah. All right. So, so the process that we use is um, the through the call for papers process, all that information just goes into a, uh, an Excel spreadsheet that we export out of the survey, uh, SurveyGizmo site. Yeah, I think you sh shared that on Twitter at some point. Yeah, right? yeah. So somebody saw yeah. a, yeah. a right. screenshot of the spreadsheet. Look at all this mess that we have to go through. <laughs> yeah, so we had, I think we had 170 or so sessions submitted this year with 84 spots that we could pick yeah. between Bryform London and Bryform Denver. Uh, so the very first thing we do is we strip out, we hide all the columns except for title and abstract. And uh, also the three to five takeaways. And Steve, your session got in based on your three to five takeaways all by itself. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have never cheated. In, in 11 years of doing this, we've never cheated and started to look at the speakers first. We always just look at titles and abstracts first. And as I'm going through, I'm reading title, and I forget what your title was. It was it was something about hyperconverged and There was a vendor fund and storage conversation. Yeah, but yeah. your three to five takeaways was sorting through all the vendor bullshit. <laughs> Can we swear in this part? And I'm yeah, really well, glad yeah. you brought it up because I didn't want to say anything because I knew you broke process to tell me you read so, it. So, yeah, so, yeah. I, so I did that and I'm like, oh my god, I have to see who made this session. Yeah. So then it was Steve. I'm like, oh, thanks. So, um, so, so we go through that and do that anonymously first. And then after that, we go through and compare. Uh, we look at we, we show who the speakers are. And then we go through and we look and see which speakers are working for vendors. Right. And we're pretty good at reading the abstract, too, and figuring out whether there's too much marketing words right. <laughs> in the abstract. but So then we pair that out to make sure that nobody's talking about their own products. And from there, Brian and I each go through independently and say yes, no, or maybe to a session. Yeah. And the, the ones that we both say yes, those are basically automatically in. Mm -hmm. um, and then yes, maybe, 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 maybe no, and no-nos. Those, those get put into different groups. This year, we had 90-some sessions that we both said yes to. Wow. So even the yes-maybe ones, where one of us said yes and one of us said maybe, a lot of those didn't make the cut either because we had to go through and pare down the ones that we both wanted. Yeah. 
So it's um it's it's a pretty intense process. And Brian happened to be in Omaha this year, so we were able to knock it out a little bit quicker. But in yeah. the past, it's a lot of back and forth. Well, do you? It's really cool. It's fun though, because like you said, there's it's really diverse now. And if you think about it, we started off in 2005. Bryform was terminal server, Citrix MetaFrame, and SoftGrid, and that was it. And so now look at it. I mean, now we've got. Uh, GPU virtualization, we've got storage, we've got enterprise mobility, VMI, app refactoring, VDI, yeah. terminal server, all this stuff. Networking. I saw several security sessions as well, which yeah. is great. It's good to see the diversity coming in. Oh, the other session that was basically an automatic in, based on the title, was Sean's. Uh, go ahead, say Docker one more time. And I just went to that session, and it was amazing. Was it? Sean is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I want to catch that one as well, but we were presenting at the same time, so it was, it was uh, I'll be a recording of that one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's always tough when you're presenting at the same time as sessions that you want to go attend. So. Well, I thought about this saying, saying like, hey, Shane, I did London, you can do Denver, and also watch Sean. <laughs> That's one of the great things about Bryform is you'll speak, and then, like, I luckily had the first slot in one session, so I just went to the conference. But, you yeah. know, you speak, and you sit down in the next session, and everybody next to you are speakers. Yeah. This is one community. This is a true community. There's no difference between who's speaking and who's in the audience. Yeah, I love yeah it's been, I mean, I, I, me personally, it's just Shane speaking. I, mean, I joined, uh, my first Rye forum was uh, 09. And since when I came in 09, I maybe knew you know 10 people. I was just getting on Twitter. Between now we're at, at 2015, we started speaking here, I think, 2012. In the last three years, we've been speaking. It just, just greatly expanded just the, the social aspect of meeting all these new people and networking. Shane has friends now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what we're getting now. No more talking before. And now you got vendors asking you to speak for them. Yeah. Because yeah. you did the control up session. That's right? true, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's great technology. So That's cool. So but, you yeah. like being the first session, first day? I actually love it. And it goes back to my very first time I ever spoke, 2008. I had never been to Bry Forum, and I was. And you got the first slot, right? And I, and I was over like, oh, it's intimidating. What, what level should I be at? So I just had so much preparation done, and I had the first slot on the first day. It was nerve wracking, but then it was awesome. Normally we do that yeah. for the new guys. That's yeah. our first. Yeah, that was my new guy. Yeah, I got hazed. <laughs> it was like uh, me and Darian, our, our first year. We we were uh, man, the first like drinking from a fire hose. Yeah, back yeah. And forth. I remember saying that to you because I'm like, oh, you must be new because that's what happened to me. Yeah, we were firing. Through but what was even worse than that is I had never been to Navy Pier, and I, and I I'm insisting on doing live demos. So I had a server, and the taxi dropped me like a mile. A <laughs> yeah. and I walked for like a mile with, with the server. The server. <laughs> so thanks a lot, Gabe. Hey, no problem. <laughs> but to your point about the diversity, that's what struck me this time. And I, I really focused on kind of the non-terminal server VDI sessions. Um, Joe Shank's IoT thing was off the hook. Yes, I love that he, session. He was doing net scaler load balancing. Management by voice through uh, yeah. Ec yeah, Amazon Echo. Yeah, so using Echo. Yeah. Yeah. web server to my load balancing bit. And it was a drone. Oh, wow. and it, was it was crazy. crazy. Go, go ahead, Anton. I saw some pictures on Twitter. Uh, he was using a drone as well, or the drone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the drone was taking pictures through throughout the session and posting them. And then for like his Netscaler thing, it was Amazon Echoed Octoblue to talk to Netscaler and basically getting the status, uh, removing servers, awesome. you know, in and out of service groups. So it was really good. I really enjoyed that session. Yeah, that was great. He, he complete, completely blown my tweet and my timeline on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of tweets. Yeah. It's <laughs> still kind of beta IoT, as you can tell from that stream. Did you, did you bring the cat? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Steve, did you brought the cat as well or not? I'm sorry. I the cat, a cat. From uh, no, we didn't do that this time. This was a little bit simpler. 
Okay. But I thought the scaler was badass because now you're you're maintaining an infrastructure device by voice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's more useful than turning on the ground effect lighting on Chris Flex's car. Yes, right. yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to see. Is being able to say, "Hey Alexa, do this," and then you know, power on your lab, basically make it like your Iron Man and it's Jarvis, right? right. Yeah. That's what I want to do with it. So that's what we all. Want to do. That's what we all want to do. I think we all want to be Iron Man. Pretty much. That's universal. Power my lab on. You're gonna pull X on the Alexa. my pool. That kind of stuff. Yeah. The voice command that and take off work. Flow me done. Absolutely. Gabe, is yeah. are the are the sessions by design to be diverse, or is it just you're, you're picking like you mentioned the top ninety or you know however many sessions? It we, seems there seems balanced. Yeah, so we do make an effort to be balanced, and that's why some of the ones that we both say yes to don't get in because we probably five of the sessions that we both liked were at the sessions that were about advanced sequencing and we can't have five advanced sequencing sessions so um, so we do have to pare them down and we do aim for diversity to the point where we want to make sure that we represent some deeper storage sessions but we also want to have some introductory entry-level storage sessions because there's a lot of people here that uh, know they have a problem but don't know exactly why they have a problem or how they need to fix it so um, it, it's a very curated list of sessions. By the time we, by the time we spit it out to the world, yeah. Are you are you starting to see more business people kind of show up at Bryform, which is typically you know you know one of the most technical conferences, at least in this space. Yeah, uh, we we do see it from time to time, but usually what happens is uh, the guy will come up to us later and he'll say, "I'm pretty sure the show is awesome, but it's not for me. I'm going to send two of my guys next year." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're yeah, that, yeah. like a business track or beginner track for those type of people who maybe aren't the higher level. That's called synergy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's called business. <laughs> <laughs> well, not like not, not like like a like the product of selling. You know, here's how I sell our product, but more of the the business side of technology instead of just like the nuts and bolts and getting the. If you can see his face, that's pretty much a no. Yeah. yeah. It's not. It's not something that we want to do, just because that's not why we started Bryform because. Back in the day, in 2005 and the years before that, we were going to Synergy, which was called iForm at the time, and then we said, we, Brian, I wasn't, I don't think I was there the year that this patch, but Brian was talking about doing a conference during one of the dinners at Shula's Steakhouse, and there was beer involved, and somebody said, oh, if you ever do it, dude, you have to call it Bryforum, and so that's how Bryforum <laughs> became a thing. But we wanted to do it because at the time, those trade shows were the business side. They were how to sell this stuff to your customers and if there was a technical element to a session it was a product manager with a developer sitting down next to him and if somebody asked a technical question the developer would look up, bark out an answer and then put his head back down. Yeah. And so Bryform was kind of born out of our frustration of that. We wanted a technical show because we got more out of uh, iForum back in the day by talking to Guys like us, right? Yeah. Like Ron Oglesby and people yeah. like that. Yeah. And we did go into the sessions. And so we wanted to set a conference that was all guys like Ron Oglesby and Benny and, and that kind of thing. Well, to add to that, too, if I could, in the iForum days before it was named, people like us were not allowed to speak specifically. Exactly. So I had customers, I had years of customers getting up and some dumbass Citrix marketing guy would stand next to him. <laughs> and I swear we were not allowed to speak. We had designed it and built it. And they were directed they could not mention us. Yeah. It's like, it's, what? Yeah. And, and now you look at shows, so um, you, you look, Synergy has the Geek Speak track right. now. VMworld has independent people speaking at their sessions. And so the world's changed a lot. They're not just marketing shows anymore. The, 
make no mistake, these are paid for with the marketing budget, and they probably lose money on these shows yeah. just based on how much they bring in versus how much they spend. But um, these shows are—they have more independent technical content. Um, that's a big difference, though. Is we don't have marketing money for this. Like you know, we, the show has to sustain itself. Right. right. Uh, but to do that, we need the speakers, and that's why we put so much effort into collecting sessions and, and making sure that we have a good overall agenda. And vendors. Vendors help, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the, the, even with the vendors, though, we, we interact a lot with them. I was on the phone even um, the week before Denver this year talking to some vendors about how to craft their message for their sessions that they were going to have. Shane, you missed a call. Yeah, I, think I missed it, yeah, but I was on a call with them. Yeah. Star Mobile, I talked to them a few times, and I, my, I just keep stressing demo, demo, demo. Yeah. No marketing slides. Like, this is a slide of our company history, and now let me show you what we do. And that's that's it. They seem to do good though, because I went to some of those, and they were they were good about it. They were mm -hmm. like, "I'm going to skip these slides. I'm just yeah. going to get to the demo." Yeah. So we did the control obsession, and it was, it was not it was yeah. architecture, and it was right into five real world use cases and how to troubleshoot. Yeah. And it was like super interactive, and everyone everyone really enjoyed it. And so. the one today from Micron, Rob Pegler, that guy is a super genius. That guy's like was it Mr. Storage, and he was just diving deep. Were any of you guys in the frame? I was session. Yeah. Uh, Brian said that was really cool. Was really yeah, I saw good. tweets about that one. That yeah. one so that, that's really good. Seeing that it wasn't just like a vendor type BS session, it was actually getting nuts and bolts. And well, they actually went in and signed up from scratch, right? So they they opened up a browser, created an account, provisioned their desktop nine thousand miles away in like Singapore or something, right? And then connected to it live in real time, and that makes for a lot. And I signed yeah, exactly. up and did it live at the same time. Did you really? Yeah. 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 So um, how do you guys pick your locations? So from going from you know many, <laughs> yeah. many years in Chicago then going to, to Boston, Interesting how do you guys decide on where you guys are gonna do it? All right, so the very first year, two years, we're in Washington DC mm -hmm. because Brian lived in Washington DC. Uh, the very first one was in the suburb Silver Spring, where Brian lived, at a movie theater. And then the next year, it got big enough that we moved it to uh, downtown Washington, D.C. at the National Press Club. Um, that is where the infamous fire drill happened. And uh, so we had to evacuate because a popcorn machine a few floors down caught on fire. Um, so <laughs> instead of in, instead of just hanging out waiting for the building to reopen, people just went to the bar. <laughs> nice. Um, so after that, people pe the biggest complaint that we heard was that people didn't want to fly from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. So we decided to move it to a more central hub city, and so that's how we got to Chicago. Okay. We used to do it in downtown Chicago. I think your guys' first one was at the Hilton down yep. in the basement. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. no, yeah. that wasn't our next one. Our first one was actually uh, we did all the McCormick ones. Okay. The Hilton. Okay. So the, we we decided we didn't like the basement at the Hilton year before, yeah. and so we went to McCormick Place, which was way far south, and we were there for. for Four years probably, and decided that it, it was it was near nothing. There were no restaurants, yeah. no nothing. Everything was a twenty-five dollar taxi ride away, and it was a pain in the neck. Shane so. and I know because we went out for dinner one night and walked through neighborhoods we had no business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 there's a lot of factors, but long story short, we couldn't get the same venue locked down, and so our choices were like suburban Boston, like Needham Hotel, or New City, and so... Or um, Moscone, San Francisco, right? Because you totally have the budget for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if you know, we have we have 8,000 people this year, up from 200 last year. <laughs> um, so we, we, we thought, okay, so Denver's got a pretty active community here. I don't know if you spent yeah, time out. Like, you yeah, had Jared yeah, Coward from yeah. NVIDIA and um, Jason Guys, from, yeah, 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 Essence yeah. Guys, Rose yeah, Guys, guys yeah. Yeah. Nutanix, all of them. 
yeah, like, and the performers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, so we we've been here before for events, and we knew that the community was pretty active. So we said, all right, what the heck? Let's give it a shot in Denver. I I like this place. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, good. Like the venue, like like yeah. locations. That was good. It took a few days for me to be able to sleep because I kept waking up at that night gasping for air. Yeah, <laughs> I was right there with you. Is that what that was? I was wondering why I've had such a hard time sleeping here. It must be the air. It is. the night sweats. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I can't get cool. I can't get cool. Mm -hmm. Like, the thermostat's at 62, and I still I still sweat. And uh, Greg Shields, who's a local and one of the speakers, he told me that uh, the people that come to visit uh, can't sleep at night all that well for the first few nights because you're nice. used to breathing yeah. in so much oxygen at whatever cadence you breathe at when you sleep. And yeah. It, you're Something breathing at that same cadence, yeah. you're not getting the same yeah. oxygen. Yeah. So everybody's yeah. just a little loopy. So, so where's next year? Unknown. 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 I've I've tried right for Australia. Man, we've been trying for so many years to get to Australia. Um, I'm sure that if we went there, it would be the standing ovations and all of that. But nobody has wanted to sponsor that show. And like I said, so Bryforn has to be self-sustaining. It's not a marketing show, so we don't have a budget that we can just say, "All right, we're just going to throw this money at it. We want to put an event on here." Like it has to. We have to have the sponsors. We um. We have to pay for the speakers because it's yeah. not a trade show that the speakers are just going to go to necessarily. So we pay for the speakers to travel. Um, so it has to be self-sustaining. We've never figured out that model for Australia. Hey, Gabe, what about Hong Kong? <laughs> uh, whatever I just said about Australia it applies. Yeah. <laughs> Same rules apply. So um, how about vendor wows? Any? Did you guys talk to any vendors out there that surprised you? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, another one I want you guys to be thinking about is uh, what was your number one session if you had to pick one, which is going to be really difficult to uh, pick. And you can't pick your own session. That would be, uh, that'd be a little <laughs> be totally douchey. Yeah, totally douchey. Vendor-wise, so, FS Logic rocks. Yep, Keeps doing yep. interesting new things yep. at a rapid pace. Loved Frame, the new name of Mainframe 2. Yep. Those were two that stuck out for me. I liked. Okay. Yeah, I agree. FS Logic was another good one. Um, I checked out Frame like them. Um, most of the vendors here I, I already know, so I didn't really mingle as much this year with, with the vendors. Um, it was good to see Uber Agent here. Oh, yeah, Uber Agent's Uber Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You cool. guys have any different ones? It's kind of the same thing for me. I mean, uh, I, I know most of the vendors here. I didn't get a chance to look at the, the Frame, or I wanted to look at the Redo Mobility. I didn't get a chance to look at that. Redo. Redo, Redo yeah. Mobility. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you yeah. Yeah, live like that. But, yeah. Um, no, so FS Logics, you know, I've been working with them for a while, so it's yeah. like looking at them. And you know, it was interesting. Redo, I was familiar with reform factoring mobile apps, yeah. but Hop2 has a different approach to it. That was my really interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. You want to describe it? Or? Uh, you know, so I just got the demo, and what what a, when I first heard of it, I they didn't show a demo, so it sounded like it sounded like the 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 client add-ons that like VMware added to their remote their, their mobile client right. that made it easier to interact with exactly. those apps and I thought man this is really great four years ago but then when I saw it the stuff that they're doing I mean they're using RDP I, I would still call it app refactoring um, they don't call it that because they're more about just toolbars and shortcuts to right. like keyboard strokes and things like that but I mean they showed me they're remoting Office via RDP and they've exposed elements of Word, like picking fonts or cut and paste, and they've done it in a mobile way, even though right. you're looking at Word. And so the, the performance that we saw, even here on the hotel network, was uh, was really good. Um, the problem I have with them is it's tied to RDP right now, so mm -hmm. they have to get in um, you know, with VMware and Citrix's partnerships to take it beyond that, or maybe maybe they can partner with Dell, and since VWorkspace uses RDP. But, um, honestly, Hop2 is hard to describe. You have to see a demo because exactly. I, I want to say exactly. it's you know quick shortcuts type stuff. But man, they've done a really good job of making it into a mobile interface while still showing you 
Word via RDP. They've right. done it for Office and a couple other. Let me try a little quick description that might help listeners. Yeah. So with Redo, you take your Windows app, it executes on Windows, and you assign the UI to native mm -hmm. uh, mobile apps. So instead of a file manually with a button, like right, and you kind of tell it what to map, and it's very effective. The app is still running on Windows. I thought that's what Hop2 was doing. I went over to the booth, and they're showing, as Gabe described, you still see the Windows app remoted, but they've added navigation and tabs and buttons around it, and it's very, very smart. And they've hidden the other part. They, they've hidden the, the real native font selection tool in Word and shown you their version of the font selection tool, which is the same fonts and everything. Um, so it's not confusing. That's that, And that's what I thought it would be. I thought it would be confusing. Like, okay. I don't need two ways to access this information. Right. They've hidden the one that's not right. intuitive to use that requires pig zooming and swiping and, and expose it in a more mobile version. Exactly. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. You're still looking at the Windows apps, but you can navigate it like it's mm -hmm. a native app. Very smart. Yeah. So yeah. That, that was my surprise, because I just hadn't heard of them before. Do you remember? So I learned today that they are Graphon. Do you remember Graphon? I do. That global. Same yeah. company. Yep. Graphon's still a thing. They still have a business selling Graphon well, licenses. Yeah. I never heard of them. So what was Graphon's business? A remote vendor. Remote it was before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was, well, old, yeah, yeah, it was the old people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was Metaframe 1.8 days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was, yeah, 2000-ish. Yeah. And then back in the day, they had Unix and Windows remoting, okay. so they had like a single platform. How can you and I be the old guys in this room? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I guess I'm a semi-old guy. So. <laughs> Uh, Session-wise, I can't pick a favorite. They're like my children. Yeah. Um, but uh, one that stood out, because we're talking about the diversity, was John Smith and Mike Nelson's networking session. Okay. And it was kind of like looking at what's on the wire, capturing packets and understanding them for yeah. like non-network guys. And you know, their 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 kind of byline was like, "Don't be afraid of Wireshark." And you know what? I am. You have to use. And, and so you know, I know. But so like, they really made it make yeah. a lot more sense and a lot more straightforward. I thought that was great. Yeah, Don um, was super technical. It was cool as he went into like the IOGraph on Wireshark and he started building graphs with based on uh, TCP filters and stuff and actually was able to show latency of the connections and show, you know, of an entire stack of connections which one had the most latency all through exactly. an IOGraph and stuff. Uh, that's something I particularly haven't worked with, so it was pretty neat to see that. I took that as a neat takeaway. It sure. made real sense. Like, I'm concerned about this IP address. I see high latency. Okay, look at the VIP for the entire V server and compare this to everybody other session. It's like real simple, like, yeah, I could do that. That makes sense. Yeah, he actually yeah. had a whole methodology he put together, which he blogged about on the, the Citrix user group as right. well, uh, which he was basically looking at. It was interesting because he was saying, um, you know, basically that the, the app owners need to know uh, their app stack, every, every bit of the app stack. And he kind of went through the whole life cycle of the app stack and all the different multi-tiers of the app and stuff. And uh, what's neat is most of those app owners don't know that information. You know, yep. That's why exactly. they just they don't. They're not they're not taking the steps. that They look at it as their silo and they hand it off to the Citrix guy. And then that was kind of the whole premise of this session is really getting to the point where you can kind of get to the root cause of the issue and not you know, push that it's it's not specifically a Citrix issue or and, and the wire data actually was to help with that, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Actually hey, okay. Uh, I, I can't say that uh you know I talked to any one vendor that kind of blew my mind, but one thing that I um, really appreciate, I actually went to one of the vendors sessions, which I know they have to sponsor those or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um but I think um, between some work that we're doing with them locally and the stuff that they're doing at shows and all the use cases and stuff, I'm actually getting more and more impressed with Res software. The more exposure that I get with their it. automation machine or automation manager, right? I think it's really cool. cool. And they've, you know, they've had some executive leadership changes with Al Montserrat coming on board and renaming the product to One Res One, 
and you know res autom and, and calling res it res automation finally right yes. instead of res <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, of uh, vendor sessions I think res probably had the best uh, interaction from a participant perspective like they actually opened it up they had a customer that was up there that talked about their deployment and how they used it how they went from XP to seven using their software Sounds good. Um, and the interaction from the customer audience was actually really great um, and they have lots of you know, stump the chump type of questions. They're like, give us your hardest problem that you have to deal with on a regular basis and yeah. something that you haven't thought of how you can automate your way around this so you can get rid of those repetitive tasks. And people were coming up with some pretty off the wall type of uh, really? scenarios. Yeah. Sounds like they understand so. the Brightform audience. That's good. Yeah. yeah. No, it was really cool. Yeah, they've been here for a long time. Yeah. 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 Me, me for sessions, um, I thought my favorite was probably your songs because you could just see people's. Light bulbs the IoT with, with the IoT stuff. Yep, you could just yep. see that the room just changed and start getting what's going on and, and how he was showing just the Netscaler stuff. Well, it was pretty cool for me. Um, I enjoyed your session, Steve. You and Ruben went on the storage piece. Um, I didn't catch it here, but I was, I was able to catch it in London. Um, Kevin Goodman's session on PowerShell. Yeah, yeah how was that? That's a really good session. Yeah. I enjoyed that in London. He did a repeat here. Okay. Um, but I'm glad these are recorded because there's so many good sessions you can't attend them all. And then you have conflicting if you're presenting, but it was good to see people like Ryan Reward and Adam Plata do their first Bryform sessions here as well. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I didn't actually get to attend any because it's Bryform and I'm running around. I go back and get yeah, it. I consume Bryform as a podcast later. Um, when Justin is encoding all the videos, I have him tear off an MP3 stream of each one. <laughs> so it just kind of goes into a podcast and I listen to one driving or mowing nice. lawn and stuff like that. So yeah. I haven't heard a damn thing yet, uh, but I'm sure it's all awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do like the geek out where the only thing that I really have any control over um, besides picking the sessions <laughs> runs on a Windows app in a Parallels virtual machine on my Mac and the, and the virtual machine decided to run updates about two minutes after we started the game show. And Dude, that, you couldn't have planned that better. Like, How do you even make that up? I have you never know? made 400 people laugh so hard <laughs> so quickly by, than just by standing up and saying, um, it's literally applying updates right now. <laughs> hey, Rory Monahan's um, app virtualization session was awesome. Yes, that was really good as well. Because he, he didn't just do one or two tools. He had like eight. Like, yep. He took you through like every tool out there and he had the um, sequencing or the packaging stuff videoed so you could really see them all you weren't sitting there waiting around for stuff to happen so that was a great overview of uh, app virtualization your room just walked by he arrived six minutes before his session started yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had some traveling fun it's just in time presentation yep <laughs> you have bright form just in time presentation but it's not here's here's the thing your session isn't done until about six minutes before the presentation starts anyway your, your presentation isn't done until about six minutes before the session starts anyway so whether or not you're here or not yeah. doesn't really matter so hey, same, same, same thing yeah, yeah. exactly yeah you've been doing I mean, this since 2017 times so yeah, yeah, yeah. you got you got some good <laughs> one thing you guys did in your uh, your own session was workspace 2020 one of the cool things that they did is they used this uh, web service called slide.do yeah. It was like a real-time uh, uh, survey, where yes. they basically survey the audience real-time with, with real-world type questions. Oh, that's cool. What are people doing for virtual desktops? Where are they looking to go from you know, consumer IT, that kind of stuff? And it was really neat to actually see that real-world real feedback live. It's yeah. a neat service, so that was cool. Yeah. It was so, the first time, so it was a little bit exciting. It was the first time? It was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, big props to Ruben on that one. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Of course, the, <laughs> the video switching back and forth caused him some issues, but yeah. you know what can you do? Hey, it's Brightform. We have to have some video issues, otherwise. I knew there was one more. Yeah, we were trying. Brian and I were trying to figure out all the different <laughs> things that have happened, yeah. and I forgot about the black screen the black problem in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 
Uh, I can't explain it without hand gestures. So <laughs> something about analog signals and noise. Recordings and videos. Those are like the yeah. red line from day one edition. Always something epic. Yeah, it's good. A couple yeah. of funny moments. Harry Labana and Sean Bass's session on oh Project Enzo Fisherware. So they, they, they donned Citrix shirts, which in itself was a blast. But then the alarms started going off yeah. in the building. And we're like, was on fire. Yeah, I was yeah. like, whoa. We have a message too. We love the app also. So not just Citrix. Beamer loves it also. Yeah, that was pretty funny too. And then they exchanged shirts from a. No, no, no. They didn't exchange shirts. They just both they both had Citrix shirts on during their session talking about Project Enzo, which was pretty funny. And then the fire alarm was going off, so some of us made the joke that it was uh, the IoT people messing with the fire alarm. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody pulled the fire alarm. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got a Sev one going on right now, and the fire alarm's going off. Cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I don't say anybody that's listening that didn't come or doesn't come to Bryform. This is the greatest uh, event because it's low key. It's a small community of lots of experts. I learned so much when I come here. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's, it's a conference. It's the lunch. It's good going out after the fact and networking. You, you get every every conference. You meet someone new from some other part of the world or local area. It's really neat. And I, I really appreciate that. This, oh no, it's great. Yeah, it's awesome. And one of the things I was just thinking about when we were talking about different Brightform ideas was maybe the folks that don't make the session, uh, don't make the session submission. You maybe have a Brightform light or a web-based thing. And then I had thought about that through. I'm like that, that kind of would remove the the whole Brightform networking piece and the, the inter. Person communication. Yeah, it was always a community thing. That, yeah. That's really what it, I think that's important. So it probably wouldn't be a good idea to do that. So I killed my idea before I. We <laughs> <laughs> think you spit it out anyway. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that course, throw it out there. Just in case you decide to do it, I said it. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Did you guys hear anything from the like, customers or the people there around the cloud management? Or you know, there's lots of talk on the vendor side, but are people wanting it? So, uh, Jarian and I did a, a session on Workspace Cloud. Um, an excellent one, by the way. Oh, thank you, Steve. Um, it was the same session we did in London. And what I observed, I don't know if you felt the same way, but it seemed like the interaction in our session, even just comparing here in Denver to London, and London was right after Synergy. So, like, a lot of stuff was uncovered. But I actually told the audience to see how many people in London went to Synergy the week before. And it was maybe 20 to 25%, most of which were Citrites. This week, I pulled the audience how many people were at Synergy, and it was like over half the room. Mm -hmm. So over 50% of people already had heard the vendor spiel about Citrix Workspace Cloud. So then they had more ammunition to actually come with the real tough questions, like yeah. how is this stuff going to work? How is that stuff going to work? Is this actually going to work in my environment, or is this a bunch of hoopla? To get us to buy more licenses, right? That's, yeah, that's awesome. Because so there's a backstory for your guys' session. Um, I got an email after we had picked all the sessions, and I think even announced them. I got an email from somebody at Citrix who said, "Hey, do you guys need a Citrix Workspace Cloud session?" So we hadn't announced them yet. We'd chosen your session, yeah. but we hadn't announced them. Yeah. And so I got an email from this guy, and he and he said, do you, "Do you want do you want me to come in and do one of those sessions?" And I said, "No, we already got one." And uh, it's from independent people, so we're gonna go with that one. And, he's, and he was, he was, he was mad. He's like, how, how, how can you have that? Nobody knows anything about this. I'm like, relax, guy. I know people. <laughs> and so, but he, he couldn't believe that we had this information in another way, and, and yeah. that's why we do it because you go to Synergy, you get the information from Citrix there, and then we come here and we get the real yeah. world. Well, even right here, four or five of us were alpha beta testers. Yeah, yeah. Right? So we've yeah. been using it for months. Yeah, right? you know? yeah. No, and understandably, session, you know, we don't know how it's coded. 
coded on the back end and stuff that right. only Citrites right. would know. But Which doesn't matter because you know, it's about how it works. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah. this product because it's about eliminating. Yeah, overhead. and the nice thing too is that we have a lot of good interaction in the room. We actually have some feedback that we already sent to the, the Workspace Cloud team about putting updates in the product for that to cover some of that stuff. So it was very interactive. A lot of questions. A lot of people, you know, especially with the whole. The SQL database thing is huge for people. Not having yeah. to worry about that or maintain that yeah. is a big draw for people. And then yeah. um, just back on the cloud control point stuff, the Enzo stuff, it was good to see um, Sean kind of give more details publicly about what Enzo yeah. is. Yeah. Did they um, demo Enzo? Or they didn't it... demo it, but they did talk about their new security server replacement, which is going to be a hard Linux appliance. So you're kind of seeing where they're going with some of their stuff. Okay. In Enzo. And they're also talking about replacing the traditional connection broker that's Windows-based to a Linux appliance, bringing in that kind of desktop acquisition back down to beyond. On, you know, on premises. No, that's so. good. It's taking shape. There was it was more of an amorphous blob of a concept yeah, when they tweeted it out. So one more details. One takeaway I had though is that they're saying future down the road in the future that they're going to have um, Project Enzo be 100% on prem as well as an option, not just a cloud control plane. He did say that in that session. It's also all net new as well. Yeah. Field deployments. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting to hear as well. Where Citrix is taking the stance of we're going to have the control plane always in the in the cloud, make it evergreen. But your workers will do wherever you want to put them. So it's good to yeah. see that we're it is a different approach. Yeah, if you can't sure. bridge that between on-prem and going to cloud, you have to have that option in there to have it 100% on-prem. Yeah, makes sense. And, 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 and anyone have any predictions around what they'll do around file services? Like you have ship file and around file services. Is that what you said? How, how file services will integrate with the with the cloud type of products or or something else? Yeah, that's it. So just a bunch of feedback. I don't recall them mentioning it. Do you guys have any recollection? No, I, I don't think either between Workspace Cloud or Enzo that anybody's got to the whole meat of where's your data, right? Um, I think that's just kind of assumed that both with Enzo and Workspace Cloud, you're going to continue to run your workloads next to your data, right. but nobody's really changing that dynamic at all. Right. Um, nobody's really saying, you know, we're going to offer for a completely hosted AWS-based environment where your data sits next to your apps and all that kind of stuff. So, Is that the kind of topic we should be looking for? At, like for content at Bryform? We kind of shied away from that. We had a couple of just like the enterprise general file enterprise file sync yeah. type stuff, and I realize this isn't quite the same discussion, but um, we had a few of those sessions, and they were all from vendors, so we didn't accept them anyway. But yeah. um, tell them to bring a booth. It's, it's one yeah, show there. Demo start at the booth first and then gauge interest. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but I, just in general, as a topic for, for EFSS, we'd have that here yeah. probably. But um, it's funny because, like I said, we started such, a, such with such a small subset of technology, and it's grown so big that it's really hard to pick. Like, okay, we're going to add this as a focus this year, and if we do, what are we going to de-emphasize right. for the next year? Right. So it's right. it's tough. Yeah. Uh, but we had like so Sean's like cloud data security yeah. uh, session and Dave Stafford gave one two that was dealing with data security. So I feel like those topics will sort of evolve to cover that kind of thing too. I think. And, it's and I think that's probably more appropriate. I think to handle it from a, a security perspective is probably better than handling it from a EFF, EFSS type of perspective. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the enterprise organizations that would be attending this are more interested in the security elements around them, where their data lives yeah. than this feature or that feature, and I can do this, and I can stream an MP4 yeah. directly from my Dropbox, whereas I can't on ShareFile, or whatever that you know feature tip-for-tap might be. I think enterprise organizations are probably more interested in the security elements behind those solutions. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ruben did a EFSS session two years ago at Bryform London. OK. On the SmackDown. Yeah, SmackDown. Yeah. 
enterprise file sync and share session at uh, Brightform yeah. as a SmackDown yeah. session? Yeah. yeah, I don't know how many people came into that. There, there was one. It might not have been Ruben or it might have been. Oh, no, it was uh, Peter. Uh, Ruben and Peter. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, so we, we will have EFS sessions, but just because we have that whole enterprise mobility element yeah. to the show, too, we just didn't have any submitted this year for this show. We might have had one in London. They all, frankly, there were 84 sessions, so they all kind of run together. <laughs> I think it was pretty diverse because there was a whole topic I even, like, missed existed VMI. I was like, yeah, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Were you in there now? Yeah. No, but just the topic came up in discussion. I happened okay. to miss that session, but I saw it tweeted, so I, I said, is this going to lead to a VMI delusion book in the future? <laughs> well, I saw your tweet while I was there, because that was mostly Jack's session. He, We both arrived at the conclusion that we should do a VMI session at the same time, but independently. And so uh, Jack was already giving one at Synergy, so he already had the deck. So basically okay. that was his presentation, want, yeah. and I just got color commentary. Okay. Um, I did create a demo. So, so virtual mobile infrastructure is basically VDABA for Android. Um, so we're remoting Android from a data center to a mobile device. Um, and so my first thought when I heard about BMI was like, wow, okay, just because you can do something, why would you should <laughs> so always make it a good idea. <laughs> so for, for the solution, you don't need a book then. Yeah. Don't need a book? <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> so, um, so either thinking about it, and you hear some of the use cases. Um, there's a lot of government, high security, that kind of a thing. Where if you, you know, there's there are use cases out there where you might want to deploy an application and a mobile application from a data center. Um, there's a lot of activity, a lot of vendors in this space. I think five or six, which is more than you would think. Which makes you think that there must be a market. There's got somebody's yeah. asking for it. Right? I think it's the spooky market. It's a, it is the three-letter acronym government. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so. So we'll see what happens with it. There's, there's just enough chatter that it was, it was worth giving a rundown session, just being like, this is what VMI is. This is what it's all about. It's a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche. Um, but there's, you know, there might be a use case somewhere. And then so my only contribution to the thing besides smart aleck comments along the way was um, there's an there's a app called BlueStacks that you can install yeah. on Windows that emulates Android. And um, when you install an Android application inside this VM, it creates a Windows shortcut. And so you can publish that as like a remote oh, okay. app. Oh, so weird. you could roll your own VMI if you wanted to just by having BlueStacks installed in your in your VDI VM. But can you with Proposal also on Google Chrome? I don't know what that is, but maybe. Oh, I know. I've, 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 <laughs> probably. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I use Arcwelder to do some of the same things as well on Google Chrome, and I've done it on Chromebooks, and I've done it just like on my Mac and in Windows, where you can get the shortcut to the same. Oh, way. is that like Android emulator for Chrome? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I would say so. Right, my big question in this category is: Can I get Flappy Bird back now as a result? Because they canceled Flappy Bird, you can't get it. The Android game. It's, it's an Android game? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think you can. Android. It's Android. So if it's not on Android, no, no, I'm you saying it's there, you can't get it anymore. So oh, maybe okay. I can still run Flappy Bird. If you can get the APK, my friend. Yeah, at least possible. Yeah. Flappy Bird, I don't think I You I've guys don't know that? That whole phenomenon? No. The Vietnamese guy who had created this game and it went viral and he was making $50,000 a day and it ruined his life, so he canceled it. Has it ruined his life? Maybe because he ran a day, has it ruined his life? I'm just the reporter here. <laughs> yeah. um, because he was being inundated with interviews and requests for money and he was just a simple guy, just he just free. canceled it, he took it off the app store and it's gone. I think 50 grand a day you can buy security so no one can with you. And made people feel better. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, I yeah. see that aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you yeah. took it. Just played it. Yeah. Committed suicide because they did he really? Wow. Did, did he commit suicide? No, no, no. Oh, he was afraid. Users. Oh, he's a, oh, yeah. he's afraid he would. 
Yeah, I'll say the first time I ever played Candy Crush was when I did this VMI demo with Boostax in London, and the second time was on stage yesterday. So I have, Candy Crush is one so of those games that everybody knows. So you're absolutely addicted knows. then, right? Yeah. No, I still Twice in the, in the same so year? Oh, my Christmas God. Don't get it. All, it just makes me want to go play Dr. Mario. <laughs> yeah, cool. So I think I need to step out because we're in the middle of packing up. So yep, I'm going to take good, off. Um, yeah. But this is awesome, guys. Yeah, yeah so thank you, Gabe. Thank you. Oh, man, thank you guys for coming. Yeah. Right for this this would not be the same without you guys. So yeah, yeah, appreciate thanks, it. Gabe. See you later. All right. Cheers. Thanks, Gabe. So I know we uh, we planned the podcast hour both uh, in the midst of the last session as well as, unfortunately, Mike Nelson and uh, Claudio are, are both flying back at the moment. Um, but I think this has been good. I think we've had some good participation and good attendance. Um, why don't we go around the room and just any final thoughts or wrap-up thoughts or uh, oh you know what one thing uh, I kind of want to get your guys opinion on um, because it was an announcement from a pretty big vendor uh, that happened this week while we were here um, what are your guys thoughts on VMware app cloaking any thoughts on that technology and where it's going to go from here Anyone? Um, um, I, I think it's probably something needed because you, when you start getting into the number of app values and number of layers and that kind of stuff, you might hit some performance issues or limitations. So having to have multiple things in the same layer and be able to hide it, which FS Logics already does, um, kind of seeing their different take on it, okay. I, I think it's needed for the market. Yeah, I agree with that. You want to give a summary of uh, what it is, Steve? I don't know that I'm qualified. I saw a okay. brief demo. I think Jorian has a better grasp on it because I have questions about. I only saw the superficial element, but I'd agree with the concept that you need to be able to filter and hide things from users in layered environments, and that's the basic concept of a user will not see something that's not assigned to them. Right. But I'm not yeah. sure at what level it's occurring. Yeah, yeah there was some confusion there too. I think you got the actual answer. Yeah, I did. So, so I so misspoke on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I misspoke on Twitter, which okay. never happens. Right. Nobody's ever wrong on the internet, right? Uh, and Harry called me out on it and was like, no, that's not how we're doing it. I was like, oh, okay, fine. So I went and I talked to him and I got a little bit more of the, the spiel. And I think part of this comes from, you know, both Dennis Gunderov is now on their team, and he's Matt you know, very oh, mad scientist, awesome. security-focused. Bond villain. And Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt Conover, I don't know if you guys have ever had interactions mm -hmm. with Matt, but he's also super bright, brilliant, semantic past, very security-focused, um, super smart guy. And so, you know, what I misspoke about um, when I uh, said, oh, yeah, this is just like FSLogics. You basically have all of your applications in an app stack, and then based on those applications, you're selecting which ones shouldn't be available or should be available to the users that you're entitling, entitling them to. And the thing that Harry kind of opened my eyes about, which, you know, we'll see once the product actually comes out and whatnot, but... Basically, what they're doing is instead of all of the apps being installed in the file system and, and registry and everything else, and then restricting visibility for the users that are less privileged, uh, but having the application still available at the kernel level in the system, mm -hmm. what they're doing is effectively during the runtime installation process where you're doing your sequencing, your, your app stack installation, it's figuring out what gets installed at that time. And so when you do this per user entitlement thing for app cloaking, it's only showing those pieces to the system as well as to the user. Okay. So there's no opportunity of a vulnerability or something corrupting the kernel or the system or whatever that might potentially be there with an FSLogix type of approach. I don't know how much interest there would be in that, but it did seem like a little bit different spin compared to having the file system there, having the registry there for the system, for the kernel, 
and then disabling visibility for for the user. That's a great clarification because so, yeah. that was exactly the question yeah. I had. So because I was wondering, did it really deserve the title cloaking? I think it does based on what you're saying because it makes it invisible to the system. Right. So that's that's important. That's yeah, but the, yeah, even though it's, there are different methods between <coughs> FS logics and, and app volumes, it's, it's kind of see that crisscross to where yeah. you know FS logic started with cloaking. Now they're going to do like a mount VHD type thing, and then VMware kind of started with the mounting the actual stack, and then now they're going to a cloaking type functionality. So. And, and all I can say about this whole element and everything that's going on is it's really cool to watch. Like how the industry is evolving to not just be about you know persistent, non-persistent, or anything like that, but as organizations get more and more deployed trying to move towards single image management, this stuff becomes necessary at that point. Um, and I know you guys have talked about that a lot on the Frontline Chatter mm -hmm. podcast as well. And Kevin's interview on that was great. So anybody that hasn't listened to that, uh, the interview with Kevin Goodman from FS Logics was just yeah. phenomenal. On it's, it's not only just, just talking about FS Logics, but just talking about some of the app layering, the app uh, stacking, cloaking stuff in general. So it, it's really good. And we, we enjoyed it. I was talking to Kevin. It's just a geek out fest. So. Yeah. Hey, speaking of community, one of the really interesting technologies was not at the event, but the guys from Spoon were in yes. town okay. yes. and met a bunch of us at different coffee shops and dinners and stuff. And their technology is growing from kind of app virtualization into container VM level. Mm -hmm. Really wow. interesting ways. So it's a new category that it's a gray zone between what you'd call an app virtualization and a container. So, so would that work for like not necessarily applications but like roles, features, services, things along those lines that you would have on One of the things servers? Like, things like SQL, IIS, Yeah, so but like almost a, a callback to what Microsoft had, was a server app V or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's a similar concept. So Docker tends to be server-side apps right. and app virtualization tends to be client apps right. and they've kind of grown up in different there, you know, streams, yeah. and Spoon is kind of breaking some of those barriers. One of the demos that Rory did that mm -hmm. Kenji provided was running different versions of SQL in containers and having on the, the management on the same system wow. and the management console, which otherwise would be incompatible in that scenario, talking to multiple databases. So it was kind of a server-side app, to your point, but in a client-side yep. mode. And so, so it, that's it's bridging, it's bridging the gap yeah. between containers and app virtualization. That's something that, I mean, I remember when, I think it was like two years, or last year, or two years ago, when we did the kind of the VMware, we looked at the VCAC versus System Center and that kind of stuff. When we were looking at, when I was looking at VCAC and the blueprints and stuff, this was before the acquisition at the time, it was, um, it was uh, Cloud Volumes. They were showing full workloads, mm -hmm. kind of being fully automated. So doing IIS, doing SQL, all coming in as, as part of a, a workload versus really? yeah. and then Cloud Volumes. Oh. Yeah, so I'm wondering, and they seem to focus it as app volume, just applications. So I'm sure that the functionality is there. I'm wondering when that's going to look at doing kind of that just in time stateless stateless workloads, and not just for desktops, but actually servers too. It's so a great way to put it, just in time yeah. workloads. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see in the future have um, Spoon either doing like a session or, or a booth here to kind of get their about there because like Roy did have some really neat demos in his session and he had like a nice long looking one to spoon in. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to playing with it as well. I met the guys also had dinner with uh, the spoon team and looking to see how that can fit in a EUC type role with their products because you go to their website they have like every version of the browser out there. So you know being able to take IE uh, 11 or 8 or whatever and not having to build out silos anymore and just being at runtime and being able to deliver what they need inside one of their Spoon containers on Windows. And they're also coming up in this new generation of sort of GitHub mentality yep. that, that source is put up and shared. So their container packages, whatever their right name is, are up on the web and you can download them. You can run Windows apps off the web through their mechanism. So they're really forward thinking. They're more like you know Linux thought process and DevOps and containers and 
the modern methods of uh, doing stuff. It's very cool stuff. So I, I can never quite remember the name because the term is kind of um, ambiguous. But is it generic capture? Is it universal capture? What was the other VMware feature that they talked about? It was common capture. Common, common capture. capture. Yeah, That's what that it was is. really slow. Um, so I'll just briefly touch on that, and then we'll see, you know, kind of how we feel about that. But the um, the common capture feature that uh, Harry and Sean had, had demoed actually during their session was being able to take what would normally be an app stack for uh, for app volumes or a, a, an app, a departmental layer for Mirage and being able to capture and sequence once to a VHD and then have that be something that's delivered in app volumes to those that are on a VMware vSphere infrastructure as well as being able to import it into Mirage to stream it down to the, the CVDs or um, the client virtualized devices or whatever the CVDs are called, uh, centrally virtualized, central virtual device, whatever that technology is. Yeah, um, that's some of like the big two differentiators between like app volumes, MS Logics, and the other learning solutions out there because they can actually be physical. They're not just tied to virtual. Right. They so, can bridge those two yeah. worlds of the physical and virtual or flex where you've got a type two mm -hmm. and you're running a VM inside of the um, the contractor's laptop or whatever it may be. Right. Yeah, I think the I think the common capture is a good way to go because they have right now they have the way, you know, separate capture tool for thin for uh, thin app, separate capture tool for on the uh, Winovos or the um, Mirage side. And then same thing for, for app volumes, right? So the common capture is doing it one time before and after snapshot, creates like a JSON file for like the metadata, and that could be, they showed it as part of the demo, being imported into Mirage, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. They had so, some thin app stuff too as well, didn't they? Thin app, yeah, as well. So, so, so yeah. hopefully that's going to help them kind of collapse some of the console sprawl they've gotten over the couple, yeah. past couple of years. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking about in our session, they were yeah. just kind of dogging on Citrix with the sprawl, and now they're doing the same thing, but it's going to streamline. They're bringing a lot into the stack in a short amount of time. You seem so. to imply it without committing that it would become a framework, a single framework. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which I think would be really cool. Um, I don't know. Uh, who was it? Earl? Earl Gay mm -hmm. talked about Mirage uh, in his session because he did one on layering and Missed a bunch that, of yeah, different things. Yeah. And um, he talked about some of the scalability limitations if you want to do Mirage and persistent VDI. I personally have never seen it um, my, myself. I've not seen Mirage be used as the base plus application layer management solution for a persistent VDI scenario. Um, but I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are or if you have customers that have done Mirage for distributed works, uh, workstations or distributed clients? Well, I've had customers like, recently, more recently, get more interested in it because we don't know what's going on with ZenClient type 1. Okay. So, traditional customers that are Citrix have looked at ZenClient and maybe looked, looked at ZenClient. A lot of education environments I worked at, you know, mm -hmm. they were doing PBS to physical and, yep. you know, the whole round of challenges that comes with that, they were starting to look at ZenClient to replace mm -hmm. that. But now they're like, well, what do we do? Because right now there's nothing more down from Zen Client, and you know that it's end of life here, what, 2016? I think, and there's yeah, nothing, so. there's nothing more past that, so we don't know what Zen Client is, so you're going to see more interest go from looking at Zen Client to go and look at Mirage as another solution. Okay. What about yourself? Anyone? No, no, not not anyone specifically looking at, at Mirage technology. So okay. I had people just like Darian said, look at, at ZenCline in the past, but ZenCline didn't really handle have anything from like an application layering or handle anything from an app provisioning perspective. Um, so people that were interested in uh, in ZenCline have have moved off it uh, due to uh, 
uh, some lack of uh, support in that perspective and product direction. Um, so unfortunately, it moved off. But looks like Citrix in general is moving more towards maybe like the, the player, Type Two yeah. desktop player functionality. That's so the I'm impression not, I'm getting. I don't know yeah. officially yet. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. definitely what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but yeah, yeah so it, I haven't it, seen a customer actually use the Mirage. I think it, it wasn't long after the uh, Mirage acquisition, well, the Winova acquisition, that um, you know the XP to seven migration was really front and so key stage, right? Yep. And VMware did an awesome job. VMware has awesome marketing, great marketing, <laughs> absolutely phenomenal, and they did an awesome job capitalizing on utilizing uh, Mirage for making that hump making that XP to 7 migration without having to go out and re-image all of your devices with Alterius or SCCM. So one of our fairly large state customers that will go unnamed, but let's just say they had 15,000 endpoints across 200-something locations, wow. and they had a very robust, very inefficient uh, Alterius infrastructure that they were looking at going from XP to 7, and the time that it would have taken them to get their Alteris infrastructure redeployed to support Windows 7 images because the version that they were on was uh, so outdated. Okay, I was going to ask why. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so yeah. They, they looked at the time that it would take to get the Alteris infrastructure in place so that they could go do all these imaging uh, processes. And, um, yeah, it, it was quite fascinating. VMware mm -hmm. came in, did a pitch, did the whole thing. Um, it, they ended up using the reflectors and stuff like that that, that uh, Mirage has within the product. You kind of seed out the stuff to look to like. seed out yeah. to across their 200 locations. Yeah. Does it use so the desktop to do that, or dedicated yeah. servers? So no, it uses a like a neighboring desktop. Yeah, so it's basically like really a cool. peer-to-peer yeah. type yeah. of thing. Kind of like the BitTorrent type yeah. thing. So yeah, yeah. or the E2. Um, uh, the we'll, node, the node. Uh, uh, nomad. Nomad, yeah. Nomad yeah. for SECM. Right. So it's it's a very cool approach um, to eliminate eliminate a lot of the infrastructure that you might have in a distributed fashion. And before they ended up doing this, they actually had and get this late '90s type of stuff mobile imaging scenarios <laughs> where they had bands where they had all kinds of racks with stations <laughs> for PCs that they would bring all the PCs out from the branches and go load them up in the vans and image them in the vans. It's fancy sneaker net. It was, yeah, fancy sneaker nets, putting it lightly. So in addition to having all the new hardware that they had to purchase to support Windows 7 because they had like 4,000 desktops that wouldn't support it, they also had to figure out how they were going to wow. image it. So, um, so they ended up buying Mirage. They ended up using it to get over that hump, and then they kept it. Um, because it eliminated That's their cool. uh, their Alteris infrastructure, and now they're using Mirage plus SCCM to layer the applications on there in a very distributed fashion. So, so, so one thing I was just thinking about when you were talking about that is the the common capture, right? So, I mean, we're, when we're talking about the EUC space and BDI and server-based computing, that's just a small percentage. There's still tons and tons of physical PCs. Mm -hmm. So, if you can leverage these management tools, like you know the UEM tools. Um, you know things like Mirage, and you take the common capture tool, where now you can take the app volume, that type of layering yeah. functionality for physical PCs. You just simplify sure, the physical sure. PC world, and you can, it's much easier to bring it into a non-persistent world at that point. I so, think you know an important thing too. I think the people yeah. in our virtual space are underestimating the traditional desktop. Yeah, I mean, I, I used Landes for years. It's an incredible product, and yeah, you know, I think Citrix VMware, everybody could you know grow tremendously by having valuable products like your example. To the physical desktop, they to the do some stuff on the physical yeah. side. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do you so, guys know on the UEM side for for VMware? If you could, that was a question that came up in our session on the media acquisition. It can work for physical. It'll work on physical PCs, but from a UEM perspective. 
Yeah, like, like, like with the profile management, if you're connecting into an apps and desktop, you can use profile management on physical. Can you do the same thing with UEM? Do you I guys know that? All the biggest problems is using the physical desktop. Our physical desktop, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so even though it's acquired as a Horizon virtual desktop license, it can still work with physical. Oh, you're, work you're asking more about the entitlement. The, entitlement. the, entitlement. the technology yeah, works. Technology right. works for right. sure. I'd be really surprised if they did away with SKUs that allowed you to run in video. Yeah, it physical. seems silly, but it yeah. seems logical that they would have adopted that and just grandfathered it in. Yeah, yeah you can be able to use that on your physical infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's powerful too. Yeah. Very hey cool. Yeah. Anybody been to the Parallels booth? Wondering why they are uh, there? Uh, which booth was that? Par Parallels. 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 Yeah, so Parallels acquisition. Yeah, so Parallels acquisition because they're showcasing the 2x stuff they acquired recently, and then also showing their um, SCCM integration management for Max as well. So they weren't focusing on the other stuff, but more of that their their presence in the UEC space now. Okay. So more and they have an incredible services. stack. Really, they have multiple kinds of virtualization. They have excellent Max support. Type one, type, type two container. So yeah. Well, they still containers. They have a VCN yeah. equivalent as well because they do have a storage on a riser where they can do distributed storage also, which is recent. So in a way, they actually are the most complete vendor in terms of the whole stack. But you know, they're not like primary in the EUC space. So I'd watch it carefully because yeah. if they want to, they could grab a lot of market and do some good things. Cool. Okay, and over winding down, can I do one pitch for the new user groups? Because I, I'm starting the one in uh, Phoenix Metro. Awesome. So org, the new official Citrix user group. We're, we're live now on the site. And we have our first meeting on August 4th, 7 p.m. You guys just did Kansas City, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that Kansas City was the first um, of the relaunched user groups we did last week. We actually Under had the new umbrella. On the new umbrella. So we had 65 register, 40 show up. Um, it, it was very good. Uh, we had Nutanix as our first founding uh, sponsor of it. So looking forward to doing more. And great. Um, hoping, you know, South Florida, Sacramento, um, <laughs> all, you know, all you guys. You just have, committed uh, me on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it, man. Yeah, we but heard South, it here. South Florida has uh, started. We just we got the date defined, and now we just got to shore up the agenda and then get it posted. So. Yeah, I saw Great. Dallas is going to have their roots here pretty yep. soon too. There's as a well. bunch coming online. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Europe, of course, our friends in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you're not involved, go to the mycuc.com or .org. website and sign up. You know, join a local group, get involved, um, use the forms, um, just get involved. Awesome. Any parting thoughts, Steve? Just, again, to say that Bry Forum is awesome. If you're listening to this and don't go, you should start going. If you like this podcast, you need to be here. Yeah, 100% agree. Cool. Yeah, that, yeah, I was the same. You That's know. exactly right. Figure out a way. Cool. And uh, if you do come to Bry Forum, one of the perks is getting access to all the video content from past sessions. So uh, it's totally valuable, any, any easy way to follow up and uh, catch any of the sessions. Well, it's not all past sessions. It's, it's all sessions that year you attended. So there's also yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So like the year before, it's on YouTube as well. All yeah, the yeah. They end up posting stuff, but you yeah. do get London for the same. Yeah, yeah. So, so, right. so when you get Brightform Europe and Brightform US, you get right. access to both. Yeah, so if you're an end user trying to you know convince your boss to go to this session, I mean, it's a great way to, to look on YouTube, grab those public sessions, look at the value of the content, and they actually have some good information on their website too to, on how to attend and, and help with that. But it's a great great conference overall. So. And we see people who aren't speakers come in for six, seven, eight years. I see the same yeah. guys here, and they keep oh, yeah. coming back. And yeah, like, like I got a Ryan Rebord's been a long-time attendee, and first year him jumping up and actually And just like Dave so. said, I mean, anyone has an opportunity to speak. That's what's cool about it. Yeah, them, so. you, you have a good idea, I thought, you know, submit a paper for it, and maybe get the staff to come speak and, and join the fun. Yeah, I thought it was particularly interesting with uh, Nick and Dan's sessions. Those are always entertaining. They always have to poke fun at Sean, and, <laughs> and now they were throwing Aaron into the mix, so that was hilarious. Oh, that's right. Um, so that, that was a lot of fun, um, but uh, 
I swear, Dan's going to start needing to get fined every time he says we in respect to Citrix. Because uh, oh. he's not at Citrix anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to take a while before he breaks. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, we're going to have to start hitting him with uh, a fine every time he says we for Citrix. So. Um, no, it's it's a great event. Um, thank you guys for, for joining the podcast live. And uh, Anton, Dwayne, thank you guys for joining online. Uh, we no appreciate problem. your uh, interactions. I need to be there next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be right behind. Yep, Dwayne, you just need to get authorization from the CEO, and you'd be here. And he'll be creeping. <laughs> hey, thanks, Dane, for cool. keeping it together and getting this all organized. Great. Yep. All right. Until next time, thank you guys for joining and enjoy the podcast. Thanks, guys. Yo, thanks. All right. Bye. -bye. Yeah.